Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1036. The only thing that sticks with me is the word passion. For some reason, it got into my soul. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Chuck Queener. Hey, Chuck, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, sir. All right. Chuck Queener is an automotive artist and designer who lives near Westport, Connecticut. He embraced a passion for Ferrari from the age of 12 and attended Art Center in Pasadena, California. Chuck was a driving instructor at the Jim Russell International Racing Driver School and served as the president of the Ferrari Owners Club. He worked for Motor Trend and Road and Track magazines before becoming the founding editor of Cavallino. Years later, he helped develop Rosso Ferrari for Ferrari North America as his editor and designer. He designed several books on Ferrari and Porsche, and in 2006, he worked with David Bull, a past guest here on Cars, yeah, and a good friend of mine, on the gold medal winning The Alphabet and the Automobile. Today, Chuck is a contributing artist at Road and Track Magazine. So, Chuck, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and your passion for automobiles? I started out as a, as a kid going to my grandparents' garage. They had a package company, uh, uh, which eventually became part of UPS down in Knoxville, Tennessee. And when I was a kid, I went into the garage and just loved the smell of the oil and gasoline on the cement floors in the building. <laughs> For some reason, it just stuck with me. And as I got older, I just started, I developed a passion for cars. Kids in my school were interested in cars. And I don't know, for some reason, it bit me more than others. I wanted to get to California because that's where all the cars were. And eventually I made it out to Riverside, California. Via no kidding. The no kidding. Air Force. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. Well, and you went to Art Center. I've had many guests from Art Center on the school. A great place for designers and artists and especially people in the automotive uh, industry um, I'd like to correct one thing there. I went to Art Center when it was called the Art Center, not the Art Center College of Design. And I was, the school was located in Los Angeles. It hadn't yet moved to Pasadena. Middle of the early 60s, in 1964, 65 is when I became acquainted with the Art Center and went to school. Very cool. Very cool. Well, very prestigious place. Awesome school. So many people have been on the show that went to school there. So uh, good start to your automotive passion. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Chuck, take the wheel. Something, the only thing that sticks with me is the word passion. For some reason, it got into my soul. Uh, no one ever said anything one way or the other that stuck with me in, in that sense. Uh, I first met, the reason I found out about Art Center was uh, I have to blame Pete Brock for that. When I was in the Air Force, I wanted to get to Riverside, California, and I knew they, there was a field there called March Air Force Base or field. I was able to get myself assigned there. And so during the day, I would just run over to the track and I befriended the guy at the gate. And it was at the time when the Shelby Driving School was underway. And Peter was one of the, the directors and also one of the instructors. 
I showed him some of my drawings and I had done a drawing of a cobra and, and Carol Shelby signed it for me and showed him a bunch of drawings that I'd done while I was in the Air Force. And he said, do you know about the Art Center? And I said, no, I have no idea. Eventually, I wound up writing a letter and sending a portfolio into them and they accepted me, which was just blew me away. So the Air Force gave me a six-month early discharge so that I could begin my college education. Wow. How cool is that? Why, I know you, but I've known Peter for a long time. And I remember his story about trying to get into Art Center and going in there and saying, I want to I want to be a student here. And they said, well, you need a portfolio. And he went back out to his car and drew a bunch of pictures and came back in and said, here, will this work? Which yeah. is an awesome story. But uh, that's pretty cool that you ran into Pete at March and he was an instructor and running that operation. I mean, man, that is very, very cool. He also lived right at the end of Turn 9 in Riverside, just outside. Yes, right. He had a little house there, and a lot of his General Motors drawings and things were on the, he tasted to the roof of his studio. In any event, that was a lot of fun. And I, uh, a friend of mine, Larry Crane, eventually wound up living in the house for a while. And Larry, of course, is somebody you may know or, or want to interview. Yes. Too. Anyway, that that's I've never had anyone really say anything to me that stuck in my mind about I like to draw people as well. And one of the things at Art Center that most of the guys I knew were just car guys and they just were interested in designing cars and they just didn't know how to draw people. I was an illustration major rather than a transportation major. And so had, uh, but I had a lot of friends in transportation and most of them, and, and the illustration, like Jim Dietz, I don't know if that name is familiar with you, but Jim and I were classmates, and, and he's gone on to have a terrific career doing a lot of, does war paintings and things of that nature. But anyway. Yes, absolutely. Let's go back in time. I mentioned it when I introduced you. Around the age of 12, you became enamored with Ferrari, and I always ask my guests to share a story that instigated their passion for cars, that, that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that, oh my gosh, I've been bit by the car bug, so... What was it for you? I was a, a visual person to begin with. I was interested in designing cars early on. I remember the um, Fisher Body Craftsman's Guild that General Motors had that a lot of guys got involved with. And you could design a car, you built this model and send it in, and you could win a scholarship to college there in Detroit somewhere. And I put all the things together. My dad said, well, why don't you see how much it's going to cost? So I tossed out the block of balsa wood, the exacto knives, the paint, and everything I needed to build this model. And it came to about $30 in 1955 or 54. My father said, sorry, can't afford that. And that was the end of my attempt to get into uh, into designing. I still like to draw, and I continued drawing um, Disney characters and variety of things like that. And then again, I guess it was the first, one of the early issues of Road and Track had a a picture of a 400 Super America on, on the cover, and I just, that knocked me out. As I said, I'm being an artist, I'm obviously a visual person. Ferraris just seem to have more style, and, and I, and the racing cars, of course, just, oh, how can I say? I mean, I just fell in love with those, with Scaglietti bodies and that sort of thing um, from a visual point of view. And then I got interested in the racing, and I liked the driving and that aspect of it, too. I just I tried to put all of those things together into some sort of a it was a hobby for me. All I had three friends in high school that we would go to Sebring together. What we would do is one guy would rent a car, one guy would pay for the food, and the other guy would pay for the gas. And so we rotated that off for a few years. 
eventually we all said, well, we want to go to California because that's where all the cars are. And it turns out that I was the only one that went. The other guys all stayed in the east. So. <laughs> Very cool. You mentioned the the Fisher body. One of my uh, competition, one of my prize possessions is my father in the late 40s entered that competition when he was in high school. And he carved a car out of balsa wood and painted it and entered it. He received an honorable mention, a little ribbon. He got to go to the ceremony and where they had all the cars and I didn't know this for a long time when I was a kid, and one day I was grounding in the garage through some boxes, and I find this balsa wood car, and I lift it out, and the paint was all wonderfully patinaed and cracked, and I went, and I said, Dad, what's this? And he told me the whole story, oh, and I was boy. like, whoa, I never knew that. Well, I lost my father last summer, sadly, oh, and sorry. it yeah. sits, well, thank you, it sits in my cabin here behind me where all my special prize car possessions sit, let all of us car guys have, and and that that model it always brings a smile to my face because uh, it's just you know that most cherished thing. But that was a pretty cool competition they had back then, going around the country and trying to recruit young people who were into the design world. So as you were describing that, I was trying to think of how he talked his folks into paying for that because they they were farmers in Texas, they didn't have a lot of money, uh, but obviously somehow he scrounged enough enough money maybe from. Uh, bailing wheat over the summer or, or hay or whatever he was doing in the summertime to be able to do that. So very, very cool. Well, Chuck, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you face along the way. And the, the great thing about these situations is what they teach us. So walk us through yours. Oh, challenges and failures. Um, I was saying to somebody the other day, uh, it's funny, I've always had a job, been lucky enough to have a job through all the various recessions and things like that. I don't, failures, really mostly, uh, I've been lucky enough to work for people that um, had a similar aesthetic and a similar view of, you know, from a professional point of view. I mean, I was able to go to work at, I went to work at Motor Trend. I had, that was my first job. I'd been wanting to go racing. And so I went up to the Jim Russell School in California, Willow Springs, and took a couple of classes there along. In fact, one of my classmates at the school at the time was Jim Busby, who has gone on to become a very Oh, famous. yes. Jim Jim was, at the time, he was a drag racing guy. He wanted to go road racing. And so we went through the school together. And in our first race at Santa Barbara, I beat him. Wow. I finished ninth and he finished 10th. I wanted to go racing. And I, I had a girlfriend at the time that I'd met at Art Center and eventually married. But she lived a couple of blocks down this down the road in Santa Monica from Phil Hill, who was one of my heroes early on there. So one day, a friend of mine had a, a GTO that lived in Hollywood, and he was taking care of it for a while. So And he wanted to meet Phil because he owned one of Phil's 250 millimeters Phil had, had bought back in the early 50s and raced. In any event, so we took the GTO and drove right up to Phil's garage and just parked in front of the house. And eventually he came out. Eventually I got to know him quite well. And one of the things while I was taking lessons or working at the Russell School, we were talking about, you know, again, we'd done this race at Santa Barbara and a bunch of other things. And I'd been enjoying myself, but there was something that we just wasn't there. And I thought uh, Phil was mentioning having a killer instinct and wanting to having this desire or need to beat everyone you're competing against. And I didn't have that. I didn't have that killer instinct. The other thing that occurred to me was that I didn't want to hurt myself or hurt someone else. 
And so I quit. I quit driving. I mean, I've driven historic cars and raced those from time to time, but it's a sport that you've got to do all the time. And without that desire and that, or my ambition running in those, along those lines, I decided to hang it up. And so while I was lucky enough to get a lot of rides from people that were students at the Russell School and wanted me to co-drive their cars and things like that, and I did a lot of um, instruction at various, for various clubs and for the Ferrari Club at different racetracks. Bob Aiken and I used to do that at, for the Ferrari Club of America back at Watkins Glen here. I just didn't have that killer instinct, and so I decided not to do that. And, and the only thing I really could do was draw. So I thought maybe this is the best way to do it. I certainly had no aptitude for banking or any other career. And I recognized the fact that this is what I was meant to do. So that's where we went. We got through the Art Center and I didn't graduate Art Center, although I'm proud to say that both my daughters graduated from Art Center. Awesome. Awesome. One in photography, another in graphic design. Very nice. We did get somebody through there. <laughs> Very nice. They did go to school in Pasadena. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's an interesting thing because having had over 200 racers now on the show, uh, some very well-known, some racers that raced way back in the day when things were really crazy, like Vic Elford and Brian Redman and even Bobby Rahal, Don Garlitz. Uh, yeah, it takes a certain personality to strap yourself into a car and go full tilt boogie, as you will. And yeah. and I'm sure you talk to drivers and they say, well, you know, I, I sometimes think about the dangers, but mostly no. Uh, everything changes once the car starts up. But yeah, it's it's good to know that... That's your aptitude and that's your, your outlook because you're right. You've got to have that instinct to do it. And Phil, of course, definitely had it. I've been lucky enough to have his son on this show. And I got to have lunch with Phil once. I didn't know him like you knew him, but I got to have lunch with him once during a vintage race and just sit and listen to him. And such a nice man, such a gentleman. Yeah. So very cool. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment, kind of a a time when those headlights come on and kind of steer you in a new direction or point you in a new direction. Is is there one of those in your life? I mentioned that a minute ago when I met Pete Brock. I mean, because at the time I was in the Air Force and I didn't know what I was going to do, even though I liked to draw. I had no idea about college. I I didn't graduate from high school. And so I was. that's what put me in the Air Force, because in October of 1961, I had nowhere to go, nothing to do, and it was that was a decision I had to make. And I, and I enjoyed the Air Force in the fact that I treated it like a grown-up Boy Scout camp. And I did some funny things in the Air Force, but they shipped me out to Fairbanks, Alaska. And I went there basically from what was 70 degrees above to 42 below zero without any clothing that time. Uh, it took a train across to Washington and then up to Fairbanks. Um, I was there for a year and a half, and that was considered an overseas duty assignment, and you could pick any assignment you wanted to. And the reason I took that overseas duty assignment was because they would let me go anywhere I wanted to go, and I wanted to go to March Air Force Base next to Riverside. So that was sort of, I guess you could call that an aha moment. It put me in the middle of the car world in that sense. And as I said, the Shelby School was running there and they had a they had a Tour de France Berlinetta that they used as an instructor car along with a Cobra. I had befriended the guy at the front gate. And so he allowed me to go in any time during the day. So once I got off duty or something, I just get it. I had a 40 Ford. My first car was a 40 Ford and uh, with a... 53 Mercury flathead engine in it. 
and I would just trundle that little bugger over to the, over to the track and go in and sit in the grandstands. And that's, uh, as I said, that's how I met Pete. Very cool. So that that's pretty much it. And I mean, that, without that, I would not have been, uh, I, I have no idea where we'd be today. Wow. Wow. Well, very uh, serendipitous, I would think. And uh, very fortunate to run across the great Pete Brock. So that's a cool story. Well, you kind of teased into this next question here, where I ask everybody about their first really special car. What was yours? Well, it was my first car that I owned was a 40 Ford that I bought with about 700 bucks from my savings. And then when I was in high school, everybody had cars. Girlfriend of mine, her father had a 250 GT Ferrari Cabriolet. The parking lot at Miami Beach High School was sort of like uh, Beverly Hills East. The place was full of Chevrolets and Fords, Corvettes, and you name it. One of my fraternity brothers and we had high we had fraternities in high school one of my fraternity brothers um received a 3500 gt maserati for his graduation present <laughs> and so he, he said he said to me uh chuck look look it's got a 12 cylinder engine in it and i looked at it and it was a it had dual ignition so there were 12 plugs in this thing and i said steve this is this is a, a straight six and he wouldn't believe me. He just had no idea. But the thing was that he threw a lot of parties and he had a boat. So I conceded the 12-cylinder comment. Yeah, whatever. It's got 12, baby. Let's go out on your boat. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the way it was. And as I said, we would go to Sebring. We were very close to Sebring. One of the first drawings, the first drawing I read reproduced, actually, was a picture of a 246 Sport Ferrari that was coming to Sebring in 1961. One of my friend's father worked for the Miami Herald. And he said, why don't you draw this car and we'll run up to Sebring. And um, so that was it. They, they reproduced the drawing. And uh, eventually I sent it to Mr. Ferrari and he signed it for me. Nice. Very so was- cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go that you really wish you had back? Oh, gee whiz. If we all, everybody's got those stories. I had an opportunity once. I got I got a call. This will be fun. One of the first Ferraris I had. I got a call from Chick Vandegrift saying that he, he knew I was sort of interested in a car and whatever. So I had Chick Vandegrift ran Hollywood sport cars in Beryl, in Hollywood. And he said, hey, there's a car back east that belongs to Stephen Stills. He's stopped paying on it. The Bank of America wants to repossess it. And for 3000 bucks, you can have it. It's sitting in a, a guy's backyard in, in the Hamptons and is a bit of a derelict right now. But it was a 1965 short nose GTB. I didn't have any money, so I in the Ferrari club at the time. And a friend of mine, Ed Niles, who's an attorney and a car salesman, basically, offered to lend me the three thousand bucks. So you know, we would go into it together. He sent me the three thousand dollars, and I bought the car, and we brought it back, and so we played around with it and restored it. It was in pretty bad shape, and it was a drive shaft car, and the drive shaft, of course, was bent. So we eventually put a torque tube in it, and that fixed that problem from that's from somebody with sloppy downshifts who doesn't can't match the revs to the rear end yep um so we had the car we paid three grand for it and a year and a half later we sold it for seven thousand i think or something like that but today a car like that's worth be worth a million and a half or two million depending as a short uh, you know something yeah. like that uh, everybody's had those kinds of things and i was involved with <laughs> we had just recently well, not recently, but many years ago when I was at Road and Track, Rob Walker had a 196S Dino 
that was like a little baby Ferrari, Testarossa Ferrari from 1959. And he couldn't sell it. He wanted to sell it in the worst way, and it just would not move in the UK. So I said, well, let's, why don't we bring it over here, and I'll, try and I'll take it to some club events, and we'll try and sell it in the United States, because at the time the market had shifted, and people in the U.S. were starting to buy cars again. Rob sent it over here, and we parked it in a friend of mine's garage up in Greenwich, came back and we ran it at Watkins Glen and took it places. I used to drive it to work to, to the Cavallino office in downtown Scarsdale and just park it right in front of the, of our office and put quarters in here to keep it, <laughs> keep it legal. So we sold it to a guy eventually to a Japanese, I think, no, no, to um, a guy in Monaco, Count Johnny Lorani, who was in, in the cars at that time, all his life actually. And he bought it for 60,000 bucks or so. And about, about a half an hour after we'd cut the deal with Lorani, an Asian chap knocked on my door and said, I'll give you 70. Oh. We couldn't do that because we were already, already done. But the car wound up going back to England, eventually wound up in Australia and showed up at the Monterey Historic Automobile Races and had been sold at that time for over 3 million. So you go wow. from 60,000 to 3 million in just a few years. And then it, it showed up, it turned up at Amelia Island this year, which was pretty funny to see the car again. And it's, it's probably worth about the same. Been around the world a few times. Well, yeah. what are you working on these days that has you very excited and fired up? Oh, my retirement. <laughs> Who <laughs> retires? <laughs> a car guy never retires. I know, I know. I just, I guess, well, we're, we're already working on Amelia for next year. I've been involved with the Amelia and with Bill Warner since the inception, since his, uh, since the beginning. So I do the program. Occasionally I do the posters and the cover for the, for the event. And I've done five or six or so, seven of them maybe. We did this year's poster of Emerson Fittipaldi. Next year we've signed, uh, or Bill has signed Jackie Eakes. So that's going to be interesting. And I'm trying cool. to figure out who's going to do the poster for that. And Bill very kindly said, why don't you do it? So um, uh, Eeks, Eeks was, in fact, I had an opportunity to meet him for the quest during the Questor Grand Prix back in 1971 at Ontario Motor Speedway. I was lucky enough to drive Eeks around during the driver's parade. A friend of mine's wife had a 275 GTS Ferrari and they he said, ah, take this and you can put Eeks in the back, of, you know, let him sit on the, we'll put the top down and let him sit on the back and you can drive him around the track. So, <laughs> so I found a picture of that the other day, which is pretty funny. Very cool. Very cool. Well, my listeners know Bill's been a guest on the show a couple times. Uh, great event, Amelia Island. So very excited to be, have you working on that. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Chuck. If, if Chuck was a car, what would he be and why? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I thought about that question, and, and it's hard to say. I don't think of myself as if I was a car, if I wanted to be a car. I suppose my favorite car is a 250 GTO, a Series 1. I mean, it's as a friend says, it's got all the slots and bumps and scoops and rivets that any car could have. And it's just, it, there's such a wonderful piece to kit to drive. It's so easy and well-balanced and make all the right noises and just about everything. So, and I've had the good fortune to spend a lot of time in several of them, driving them all over the place from Los Angeles to Reno and, and all over the world for that matter, for various GTO reunions that have gone on over the years. 
So that, that's that's my favorite car, bar none. Uh, and if I were a car, I guess I'd want to be a GTO. <laughs> there you go. Easy and smooth and makes all the right noises. That's Chuck right. Wiener. I like it. <laughs> well, Chuck, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, this is Mark Green. You know, I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school. That was way back in 1975. This month, I'm offering you, as a Cars Yeah listener, a very special deal. Starting April 16th, 2018, through April 30th, 2018, you'll receive 10% off all NOAA Fabric custom car covers and 10% off all Wolf ready-fit semi-custom covers. Simply use the code CARSYAP on checkout at Covercraft.com. NOAA is the most popular outdoor fabric specially made by Kimberly Clark to protect your special vehicle. It provides maximum protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun, Rain, dust, those nasty bird droppings, snow, dings, and it's breathable, and it's very soft on your paint. Wolf ready-fit semi-custom covers are an economical option and provide indoor and outdoor protection for your special car. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me later, and your car will thank me too. That's Covercraft.com, and be sure to use the code CARSYEAH at checkout. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Chuck, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you for some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Boy, that's a, that's a hard one. I, I thought about that too, and I just nobody's ever given me any advice other than to shut up. Uh, and there, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean auto, about automobiles. But boy, I don't know. I think I'll say one thing that's kind of funny about this whole thing is as I've had this has given me the opportunity to meet all of my heroes. I've just met just about everybody I I would want to meet in this sport, both in the art world, in the racing world. That that I hold in high regard. But I mean, the best advice, you know, just to be yourself, enjoy what you like. Well, we'll leave it at that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes? Curiosity, curiosity and exploration. I think you just have to look into things. I One of the things I found early on, one of my favorite books was a book by a guy named Bob Daly or Robert Daly. He wrote The Cruel Sport, which eventually became the the movie Grand Prix. 
I bought a copy of that. I found it in Balboa Island in 1963, and I'd never seen a car book. I mean, I'd seen a few car books, but never had an opportunity to buy anything. And I bought this book, The Cruel Sport, which I still have to this day. And fortunately, after living in Stamford, Connecticut for a long time, I was able to meet Bob Daly because he lived in the next town in New Canaan. Again, back to that meeting all your heroes, Bob and I became friends and are still friends to this day. And we communicate often. And I've even worked on a couple of his books and with through the Klementowski collection of photography. Oh, yeah. Great, great collection. Well, how about a resource? Is there a resource that you're really fond of that you'd like to share? Well, I mean, websites and things like that, I guess, two that I, I look at every day are crash.net, which is about all sorts of racing. They have a pretty, pretty good piece on Formula One there. And I, James Allen on F1 is, is a good site. He was a writer and still is a writer, but he wrote for papers like the, like Motoring News and things. And so those, those guys are some of the top journalists. And resource, that's about it. I mean, I, I subscribed to only about three, four magazines, but it seems like everybody that I talk to, I've got a lot of friends and they're great resources too. <laughs> so I have to say, of course, that, absolutely. Um, my friends and the people that I work with and, and people that I work with are also people that I'm friendly with. So it's, uh, I mean, you always hear that axiom, don't do business with friends, but I've managed to avoid that and, um, and always pretty much always do business with friends. Ah, is the best way to be. Well, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Again, I go back to that hero thing. I mean, I've had lunch. I used to have lunch with these guys all the time. I mean, Phil, Phil and I would get in his Bentley and go down for a burger. <laughs> uh, you could drive around Santa Monica. I mean, nobody knew who he was. He was more famous in Europe than he was here. I mean, I have lunch with a lot of guys that, I mean, one of your, one of the guys that turned me on to your situation was, um, he's an Australian. One friend of mine who lives in the neighborhood now is Lee Dippy, who, uh, and we would have lunch during the Grand Prix weekends with Hobbs and and occasionally Steve Matchett. So you know, those are people that um, that I really, whose company I really enjoy. We don't necessarily talk about cars. I mean, that's the fun part about that. You know, those relationships where you're having dinner with somebody and nobody talks about cars. I, I mean, a few people I know talk about cars incessantly, and consequently, my wife doesn't care for them. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I mean, guys like Diff. Um, you know, you can talk about anything. It's always a lot of fun. So those are, you know, as far as living in debt, I mean, I would, I can't say that I've ever, I've met Mr. Ferrari three times. I would never, we've never shared a meal together. So, but he didn't speak English. And, but his right-hand guy, Franco Gozzi, and I would, I would almost say we're friends. And his old secretary, Brenda Werner also, I mean, we all, you know, whenever we go to Italy, we'd always go out to dinner that I would have dinner with on any basis. Cool. Very cool. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you could recommend to our listeners? Well, I guess I would say, too, that The Cruel Sport by Bob Daly was certainly, I mean, it's old school now. I just got through reading Habo. If you want to read a fun book, two great books, um, I would say would be, and Brian Redman's book, of course. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of fun. Both of those books are, are very entertaining. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources on Chuck's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Chuck Queener, and you can find these books and 
Over a thousand books recommended on the guest recommended books list here on the Car Show website with quick, easy links to buy. Lots of cool reading there for automotive enthusiasts and business enthusiasts. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Chuck, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any, that's right, any cool collector car on the planet. The rules are you've got to keep it, you've got to drive it, you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or some new paintbrushes, but I want you to enjoy it. So don't worry about the cost. We'll take that off the table today since I'm writing the check. What's it going to be? Well, I think I answered that a few minutes ago. The GTO would have to be the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to break the bank today. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's the fun thing. I mean, if we knew that those, when there were $6,000, Henry Manny offered me one of two cars that he had brought back from uh, from France with him. John Surtees, 332-2-2, and his GTO, 5111, which serial number 5111, which eventually went to a guy here in Connecticut who had it for over 30 years. And one day he said to me, you know, if this when this car gets to be worth $25 million, I'm going to sell it. And no sooner did he, I mean, it was a couple of years later, but eventually it got to 25 mil and he sold it. So um, it went right to some guy in Spain immediately. And now, of course, they're in the high 50s and more. I mean, Jim McNeil gets offers for his car all the time. But anyway, I would probably uh, buy a GTO and I'd try to keep it. But no, I once introduced, uh, I once took my wife to a car show at Lime Rock and that was in a in a building there, some little cocktail party and they had a gto on the floor there and at the time in the early 80s it was worth about two hundred fifty thousand. i told her oh, look at this car here this is you know it's worth about 250 grand and she couldn't believe it and as she just watched these things escalate in price and that was that was probably seven or eight years before we got married and she's watched them go and she's seen them in the garage and and ridden in them and been on some of these uh GTO reunion tours. And so she's well aware of the fun they are and the fun that all these guys have with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The values of these cars are just stratospheric. Well, Chuck, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah audience. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your very own Ferrari 250? GTO. Well, I'd say enjoy what you're doing. To me, it's it's a passion. Standing on the grid at, at a Grand Prix somewhere when I'm lucky enough to get a pass is just amazing. And it's just one of the, uh, I don't know, it's hard. You can almost get teary-eyed. It's so exciting. And so, um, I mean, it's just an emotional thing. To me, it's like going to a Led Zeppelin concert. That's rock and roll. Now, I like classical music and I like Broadway shows and things like that, but really get your blood going it's zeppelin <laughs> so i mean I would say the, G- the gto is the led zeppelin of the car world there you go and what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business well you can go to my website at queenerdesign.com and that'll show you some of the things we're about to start redesigning it a little bit or adding more things to it a lot of the illustrations and things there and some of the graphic design for magazines are going to be updated uh that's something we'll do but that's that's one place to go. Well, listeners, I'll make sure you can find links to everything Chuck has shared on his show notes page, including his website. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Chuck or Chuck Queener, and you will find that page. Check out what he's doing. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Chuck, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Carsyad audience. 
Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Great. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.